W-P-H-A-T. You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast, the place where health and consciousness connect perfectly, perfectly healthy, healthy and tone, tone radio, radio, radio with your host, Darren McDuffie. And now prepare to get fat. What's cracking, peeps, and welcome to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Toned Radio. I'm your show host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned and conscious. Today's episode is with Rachel O'Meara on her book, Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. Before we get into the dialogue about that, just want to remind you of a show I did last week with Avita O'Shell on her book, Healing and Prevention Through Nutrition. Wow, I can't say enough about interviewing Avita and what she stands for. And that interview for me was really enlightening to speak with someone who is conscious, who is using nutrition to help people change. So again, go back. I highly recommend that episode. If you haven't listened to it, do go back and listen to it. Now, today's episode is Rachel O'Meara. Book is called Pause. For those of you who have out there who've been following me, you know that I share a lot of my own things on these episodes on these podcasts. And one thing that I, I've shared before is being out of a job for two years, being out of the workforce for two years. And what I can say about that in hindsight, now that I do have a job, is it probably was the best thing that could ever happen to me. My particular pause, and we'll talk about what a pause is with Rachel, was a forced pause. I got fired from a job and was terminated, put me into a tailspin. And really, I spent that time at first beating myself up a lot, struggling mind effing myself, which is something that we'll talk about on this episode as well. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of draw back and be a little bit more gentle with myself and assess the things that I wanted in my next career was when that career actually happened. So pausing, taking yourself away from the everyday vigors can really help you in assessing what you want, being in a career or a relationship. And we talk about relationships with Rachel here as well. So listen to today's episode, apply it to your life. I know for me, I know I probably wouldn't have been able to appreciate this book as much as if I hadn't gone through it before. And I felt like as I was reading the book that I was going through reliving what had happened to me. And in some bizarre way, I think that that had to happen in order for me to realize my success in my next career. So pay attention to the episode. Let's get into Rachel's bio. Rachel O'Meara is a transformational leadership coach assisting others to fulfill their potential. She's a sales executive at Google and also hosts authors who have meaningful messages about mindfulness and emotional intelligence for the talks at Google YouTube channel. She writes regularly for the Huffington Post and has been featured in the New York Times and on WSJ.com. She leads workshops and speaks on the practice of pausing. She has a certificate in transformational coaching from the Wright Graduate University for the realization of human potential and has an MBA from Fordham University. So here's what you're going to learn on this episode of Pause with Rachel O'Meara and Perfectly Healthy and Toned Radio. Is a pause necessary to get out of your comfort zone? I've been in a self-professed comfort zone and I'm coming out of that. And if you're listening to this episode, maybe you are as well. A lot of times it helps us to kind of pull back, take some time to ourselves and really assess what we want in life and the things that we deserve. The next thing is what would happen if we focused on our strength instead of our weaknesses? If you've been in an evaluation, perhaps a job evaluation, you know a lot of times they'll give you things that you're doing good and then they'll spend an inordinate amount of time telling you your weaknesses and things that you can improve on. But what would happen if we really and truly focused on our strengths? Rachel gets into this and we discuss this on this episode. The next thing is, why should you listen to your inner voice? Why should you listen to your intuition? A lot of times we don't listen to our inner voice or what something is trying to tell us or what a situation is trying to tell us. And Rachel did that. I've done that as well. And she talks about how she's really listening to her inner voice, really listen to that intu- intuition now and how it's serving her. What does alignment mean? You've probably heard that term before, alignment. Rachel talks about alignment and what it means and how you can get into alignment. How to get yourself out of mind effing. Mind effing, 
I could use another word, but I'm just going to leave it out as mind effing. And I've done this myself. Rachel's done this. Anybody who's been on this path of trying to improve and trying to get to some level of success has actually mind F themselves. And Rachel talks about getting out of that particular mindset. Last thing is the difference in being and doing. Have you ever heard that phrase, be, do, have? Do you really know what it means? I didn't know what it meant. And for me, it took me years of really trying to understand that. And one day I got this epiphany and I really understand the difference between being and doing. Rachel talks about in her that in the book pause and she tells us how to get into that mode of being versus doing a lot of things. So that's what you're going to learn. Enjoy the show. All right. Today, folks, we are talking with Rachel O'Meara on her book, Pause. Rachel O'Meara, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Hey, hi, Darren. It's great to be here. It's good to, good to have you. I spotted your book through Kindle, and it was a different thing for me because, as as you know, you kind of delved into my background before we got started. I'm a health and fitness guy, but this book was so relevant to me because I went through this this process about two years ago. For those of you who have been following the show any amount of time, you know that I've kind of mm-hmm. shared my story of being out of work for, for two years, but that two-year span allowed me to kind of focus in and hone in on what I really wanted to do. And now the job that I'm doing kind of fits my skills. So that's what we're going to be talking about nice. today with Rachel. But Rachel, what I do with every guest that I have on my obligatory question would always be that how did you get started for you? How did you get into this book because or start writing the book rather? Because I know that you have an interesting background and you work for a company that was very famous. So tell us about that. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, so as you know, I wrote the book called Pause and it's called Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. And when you say it was a book for fitness, I think of it like emotional and mental fitness. So you're not too far off track, Darren. It's like very uh, similar to that, except it's not physical fitness. It's emotional and mental well-being. And that's so important, as, as we all know, right? So how did I write the book? Well, I will take you a little bit back. About six years ago, I was working at Google price a little company you may have heard of I uh, I'm also still here by the way I'm in a conference room as we speak here and so I really wasn't doing great in my role at the time I was managing a team in customer support and for whatever reason I felt like I was banging my head against a wall when I was working I felt like a failure and and part of that was was received from not being up to par in performance. So my manager said she felt like a broken record talking to me. And every day I'd come in, a whole new attitude, being excited, like today's the day I'm going to do well. (laughs) All my meetings are going to go great. The work I do will be recognized. But then for whatever reason, again, I just kept coming up against this wall. And I felt like I was in this mental tailspin. And I'm sure we can all relate where for whatever reason, you know, you might be in a situation at work or outside of work at home, even or in a relationship and, and you just can't figure out what's going wrong. You don't know. And you and, and, and maybe you've got an inkling that there's something not right, like you feel a little off, but you can't put your finger on it. And for me, I was told things like I wasn't a strong communicator. I couldn't and didn't talk effectively and manage up, manage down. I work work across the organization and, and for whatever reason. And I'd been at Google a few years prior to that and in other jobs and I had done well. So it was like this big puzzle to me and effectively was getting managed out of the organization at the time. And so instead of quitting, which was definitely on my radar, because that sounded pretty good at the moment, <laughs> just throwing it all in the towel and walking away, I uh, I realized there was this other option I could do, and it was called a, a, a leave of absence, and it was an unpaid break. And I researched it, and I presented a case to my manager the following week I looked into it, and said, Hey, I've been at, I've been at this company a while. I'm not sure really, uh, what my next steps are, but I, but I'd like to take a break. So I took a a three month unpaid break and, uh, fast forward from that to now I, 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 I had that break. It completely changed how I went about my life and, and what I really learned from it uh, bottom line is I, I learned how to be a little more self-aware and present. And I got out of that mental tailspin 
and I learned how to really focus on things like how I was feeling and 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 knowing I could be responsible for all of my communications and my own being beingness at work and outside of work and know that I could become whatever I wanted to do looked at my strengths I, I kind of thought wow I'm not really in alignment with those uh, my strengths were things like relationship building and a networker and explaining things well and my job was really operational at the time so it just really wasn't in alignment and so I did go back to Google and I actually joined a sales team I only looked into roles like that and that's actually where I currently am all this time forward but it, what I learned changed my life so much that I wanted to help other people who might have been feeling stuck, which I was definitely feeling like, or in a rut or burning out and really not quite sure what to do next. And so that's how I ended up writing the book. And I wrote it after I came back over a series of many weekends and years. <laughs> and, and that's what pause is as, as it exists today. Yeah. 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 It's a, a very good book. And like I, I was talking to you off air and I said, I kind of went through my own forced pause to be out of the workforce for two years. But just like you, it allowed me to kind of <laughs> look at my skills and say, what, do, what am I good at? What do I want in my next job? And the job that I have right now is what I actually wanted. It just like it fell into my lap. So, so yeah, it was, it was a good experience for me. Now, let's go back to your experience. You you said you're at Google now. You were just at, at, at Google within a different capacity. You're not in the same job. But take us back to, I guess you're sitting in a room. Your manager comes in there and they said, hey, well, you're not doing the job effectively. What was going through your mind at that point in time? Yeah. So for me. It wasn't just one instance, by the way. This was multiple times. And it, and it was as if she had really good intentions. She was simply doing her job to let me know things that weren't up to standard. And, and, and so I totally saw that. But at the time, my brain was a little foggy and, and thinking, oh, this person is just out to get me. And I mean, we've all been there. When There's actually research that when we're in a state of mind that isn't positive, so we're we're thinking someone's scowling at us, for example, across the table, and we're not feeling good about ourselves. We actually see things and perceive things in the world that may not be accurate. So maybe everyone are all of a sudden looks like they're scowling at you as you walk down the street. Our brains distort stuff when we're in that negative mind space. It's fascinating stuff. So when I was in that room, and this was kind of towards the end of a couple months of probably not thinking I was good enough, and, and just mentally in that tailspin and perceiving everything else was bad, I I just knew I couldn't go to a next role, whether it was in or out of Google, and be really in a positive place for myself. And what I mean by that is working effectively. I I figured if I were to go find a new role, no matter what it was, I don't think I'd mentally be in the in the game to feel really good about what I'm doing and even be clear in terms of having uh, a sense of self, we'll call it, and, and, and a clear understanding of what my capabilities were because I felt like I needed some space, aka here's this pause. I call a pause any intentional shift in behavior, by the way. So this happened to be a long break I took, but I, 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 I knew it wasn't an answer to just keep looking because what ends up happening, and I kind of knew this as a gut feeling, is that I was going to go through something all over again really similar in some new fashion, <laughs> new new seat, new outfit, but the same thing would come up. And I talk a lot about this in the book where uh, we are all products of our, our own belief systems. And in my case, my belief was I don't matter. I'm not good enough. And that would have stayed the same if I hadn't really taken that time to focus inwards and just think and learn more about myself. What did I really want? And who was I? Because clearly this path wasn't really working for me. Yeah. So it's like, I think I went through the exact same thing, Rachel, because I, I remember like I, I was actually fired from a job. Then I went through a series of two other jobs that yeah. really, really wasn't what I wanted. And they were very low paying jobs. And I knew I was worth more. Yeah. And one day I was just like, like I said, I just had to just stay out and realize what my value was. And it took two years <laughs> to figure that out. It takes as long as it takes, Darren, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. and um, a, a, a statistic I do know from, from writing was only 14% of global companies offer any kind of unpaid or paid leave. There's only 4% that offer a paid leave. And so what that means is 
that's just not a reality for a lot of us. So we actually need to learn the skill to integrate that pausing way of being where we can intentionally shift our behavior on a daily basis or on a way in a way that really serves us. And I, I, I know, I think I probably would have been in your shoes. I would have probably had been walked out the door if I, if I just stayed there and I knew that really wasn't working for me anyway. Yeah. But like you were saying, I realized that from job to job to job, I was kind of like taking the same things with me, like wearing the same coat. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I took that two year pause and kind of changed some beliefs that I had about myself was when I got results. And I don't think a lot of people do that. The question I wanted to ask you in relation to this is that, do you think that we are supposed to do the same thing like the same job over and over again. Cause you were at Google, you were in a, a really good position. People might be listening to this and say, Oh my gosh, she worked for Google, but you really weren't happy. And I've interviewed a lot of people who have gone that same route. They have been in a job that they, the, probably the world would have given to be in that same job. But for some reason for them, it wasn't the place. It wasn't that utopia that they thought it would be. So do you think that? It's something wrong with us when we are at a place like a Google or, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe we're working with a music executive or something and we feel like, hey, this is not where I want to be. Is there something wrong with us mm. in that situation? Wow, that's such good food for thought. I, I think there's no black or white answer, right? Like this is it's kind of all dependent on a situation where you are in your world. And, and what, like I say, you have to find something that works for you. Everybody's different. We're all unique beings, all 7 billion of us on the planet. So what I, what I like to think about is knowing what works for you, but you need to be aware of that. And that's the part that I think is a challenge for all of us. And there's this quote from one of, uh, one of the founders, foundational theorists of educational theory, Jack Mesereau, and he says, childhood is for formation, adulthood is for transformation. And I get that from my mentors, Bob and Judith Wright, where I've been mm -hmm. studying emotional intelligence. But I mean, how true is that? Where we are designed to transform. And by that, I mean, there might be some obstacle in life. And I talk about the five signs, you know, you need a pause <laughs> in yeah. the book. And one of them is an adversity or a challenge. And so clearly, you know, we love to power through those. I know, from my own experience, that was my MO. That's how I operated. I would just you know, muscle through it. And I think as an athlete and someone who's just been trained to succeed and, tr and, and, and achieve stuff, uh, I'm like a recovering achiever now. It, it's, it's a way that serves, but doesn't really transform myself. And so when I was stuck in this rut of, of my case was work, but you know, it could be anything it could be like a relationship or wherever you're like wearing those clothes, it might change the outfits, but the things keep coming back up in your life that are the same. We've kind of all seen those patterns probably or noticed it. The idea is that you're able to shift things, but it takes intention and it takes the awareness. And, th and that's what transformation is, is when we imagine someone we couldn't have become and we're moving towards it. And so for me, I just, I just knew mentally I wasn't going to make any sense in this role. Like I was tired of being in this relentless effort to do better, but still not doing well. And so I chose to do something different and it wasn't on my radar until I really looked at it and someone suggested it actually a friend of mine on a Skype call. And it's just something that, like we aren't used to pausing. And again, a pause is any intentional shift in behavior. And so if, if this is a third option, it's not like a yes or a no, but maybe there's this opportunity to shift or pause. It doesn't mean stop. It doesn't mean go, re go, go mindlessly into something else, but it's intentionally shifting. There's like a whole other world of opportunities that can potentially open up. And for me, that was this this unpaid break for, for you it was two years, which is awesome, extended pause. And everyone's going to be different. And, and so I think it's about tuning in. And that's what I think pausing is. It can be as simple as a breath, right? Like that's a really quick pause. I have a lot of tips like daily pauses in my book. So the first one is you know, putting a hand on your belly or your diaphragm and just taking a deep breath, like inhaling through your nose. We can all do it together. <laughs> and then exhaling through your mouth. And like that can, that can just reset myself and maybe I need another reset in 15 minutes or an hour, but there's just things that we can look at that present themselves in ways that now I've got 
maybe a new thought or something had occurred to me that hadn't happened before. You talk about, (laughs) yeah, no, no, no problem. You talked about relationships. And if I remember correctly from your book, you took a pause from your relationship or you, you, you got rid of it or or something Mm -hmm. to that effect, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I was in a relationship with someone who I'd been dating a, a couple of years. So like everything in life, things tend to come in, in, in multiple efforts when something isn't going right. And so in my case, my job wasn't going well. And I was, I was in a, in a relationship that didn't really wasn't going great. I think I was muscling through that too, uh, if you will. And, and so I ended up moving on and, and, and transitioning out of that relationship. And, and now I'm married. I just got married last year. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thanks. So, so to me, it was kind of all the things coming at different directions that was just saying like, Hey, Rachel, you're out of alignment here. Uh, what could you shift? And I ended up moving on from that relationship a couple, a uh, couple years later from my boyfriend. Sorry, a couple months later. Now, it's a cat. I want to talk to you about this alignment thing as well, but I, I wanted to get to this question first. Is a cat, is a pause a catalyst for really getting out of a comfort zone? Because of what I've noticed in my own life, and even if you look at others and we, we talk to others, we all have friends. What I've noticed is that we can get in this comfort zone where we are not really, I would call not seeing the forest for the trees. Things are happening, mm-hmm. but we're just like, I don't know if you've ever seen a Dunkin' Donuts commercial where the guy meets himself at the door. He said, I've <laughs> already made donuts. I love but, those commercials. Yeah. <laughs> they bring me back to my childhood. We tend to be like that in life. We're just going through the motions. It sounds like you went through the motions, but it's this pause kind of what I would say a catalyst mm-hmm. for maybe creating space to say, hey, I'm in a comfort zone and I need to get a little bit more uncomfortable if I want to achieve the things that I hope to achieve. Mm, totally. And I have a great quote that I, I will not take credit for it, but a friend of mine said it recently on uh, on the podcast, my podcast. So a comfort zone is a great place to be, but nothing really grows there. To me, that's the essence of a comfort zone and and nothing really grows there, meaning myself. So when I'm in my comfort zone, I'm not stretching. I'm not really uh, aware of what could be different. However, as we all know, if you've taken a risk or you do something that maybe you feel a little fear or excitement or anxiety from, that's okay. That's actually normal because it's new and we end up learning and growing more out of that zone. And in fact, that's really where we do grow. Just like kids, you know, when kids are out of their comfort zone, you you can probably, anyone who has kids can probably relate. Uh, There's a lot of growth there. And if we're in the comfort zone, we're not really challenged to do anything different. We love normalcy. Our human behavior patterns and brains crave habit, as we all know. We like to go back to the things we that are familiar. And, And so it's important to be aware of that because if you notice you're just doing the same thing. And, and I think being curious is a really great way to stretch oneself out of a comfort zone or take something, think about something differently. And, and so if I were to ask myself, which I did, I did a lot of journaling on my pause. Am I, am I happy? The answer was a clear no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I, but I had to pause and think about that because I probably would have been in denial for a lot longer if I hadn't admitted it. And so to me, pausing takes courage. Being out of your comfort zone takes a lot of courage. And it's a very courageous act to pause, um, whatever that means for you. So, and again, it's an intentional shift in behavior. So I, so I just think there's a lot to that. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of mine. And it's, <laughs> it's like I have <laughs> to talk to myself on a daily basis. Hey, you, you really want to do this? And kind of psych myself up into doing it. Now, you talked about alignment. What is what is that when it comes to a pause? How does that relate to a pause? Yeah, and and it relates a lot. So, to me, for for me, and using this example from the book where I, I really didn't feel my job was going great, uh, I realized I wasn't in alignment, and by that I mean things just weren't feeling good when I'd show up to work every day. I felt kind of run down. I was a little cranky probably. <laughs> this was a couple of years ago, but in general, like I just didn't feel engaged and wanting to really like go to the next level and and so when I when I looked at this, I actually did some research and I learned that by looking at my strengths and this is there's a couple assessments out there like Strength Finder 2.0 which is from Gallup and there's and that's like 
a, I think you can get a, a free assessment even online, but that, but that one is actually from the book and I think about 20 bucks, but there's all kinds of ways to find out what your strengths are. One of the ways I did it was also just ask friends, ask good, good colleagues who knew me well, what do you think I'm good at? Cause I felt a little lost and I didn't really know. I felt like I'd lost touch with that. Cause all I, all my brain could decipher was Rachel, you're a failure. Rachel, you suck. Like Rachel, what are you doing? And so I wasn't a clear perspective at the time. So I think looking at your strengths is a great way to learn about what works for you. And there's research too, that when we work on in a role in our career where our strengths are harnessed and we're, we're like leveraging those strengths, we are more, we, we are happier. We have more meaning and, and success in our lives. And that's great research. Let me stop you right there. Cause I wanted to ask you this question because uh, last night when I was going through everything, getting prepared for the interview, something popped in my head. Why is it that we are told to work on our weaknesses when clearly what we're good at, that's what she, you should be working. And that's what yeah. I gathered from your book that we should be really working with stuff that we have strengths in versus working on our weaknesses. And I remember I've been an athlete all my life. I'm not, I mean, actively playing basketball right now because I'm 47, but, but, <laughs> you know, coming up through elementary, middle school and high school, and then going to college and playing semi-pro, that was one thing that I was mm -hmm. taught, work on your weaknesses. Oh, you can't use your left hand, work on that. But I didn't feel feel like that held true in the job world or yeah. within something else. Why are we taught that? Why are we taught not to use our strength in the things that we're good at? Yeah. So, so I this is a cool question. I'm glad you asked it. And and there's some research on this from Michelle McQuaid. Uh, so she's in the book. I cite her. She's in Australia, and. Back in the like 20, 30 years ago, that was the most recent research. Focus on your weaknesses and turn them around and you'll be fine. That was how things were taught when we were in school and this was like the 80s and that kind of thing. So high school and, and maybe college even, that was the norm. And then this new research came along and fast forward 20 years, 30 years, and no longer is that being taught. That's not the best practice. The best practice we've learned through research and also things like the brain scans. Now MRIs are actually getting cheaper and there's more technology opportunities out there for research like that. We are, we are, when we leverage those strengths, we actually are wiring up what we're good at already and we feel better because we've got those skills and we're doing better in the world. And it doesn't mean we can't work on our weaknesses, but if we're actually leveraging those strengths while we're doing the, working on the weaknesses, it, it's a great world for you to be in. And even better is, is when we feel good about those strengths that we're working on. So that's what's changed. It's actually been developed as, as uh, best practices, and it's taken 30 years to get there. But that's what I learned, which was pretty wild. But you see that you see the people who are wildly successful, they are doing the things that they have strengths in and then they may hire somebody who does the weak part. But we, we're taught that. And again, we talked about beliefs earlier where, you know, work on your weaknesses, but and then don't don't deal with your strengths. Just work on your weaknesses to make them stronger. But it doesn't hold true in society. When you look at most successful people, they're getting other people to help them in the things that they may not be as strong in. Yeah, and I think you could probably argue it both ways. If if you're the most like ambitious person, you want to work on everything, you're still going to improve if you work and focus on weaknesses as much as strengths. It's just a real preference point. But um, the idea is, and think about you, and like if I look, if I think about my own satisfaction when I'm doing things that I enjoy, they're usually my strengths, like the like building rapport, and and I love be, uh, creating relationships and networking. And I actually. I'm one of those weirdos that likes to go to events, not all the time, but like sometimes <laughs> to meet people. And, and, and I, I feel good when I make a connection and, 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 uh, and, you know, create a new engagement. So for me, that that's a strength, but it wasn't something on my radar and I really wasn't aware of it until I really looked at my strengths. So go figure. You talk about signs and you, some of the, the signs that you may need to pause. But one thing I wanted you to talk about is, inner voice. You said you ignored some of your signs. You weren't really listening to your inner voice. How did you, did the pause create that space where you were able to listen to your inner voice? Oh boy. I'm like, whoa, that's a big question. Yeah. So I am a big fan of noticing what is my inner voice telling me, but I also 
know that I like to do things like override my inner voice, <laughs> pretend it's not there, especially if I disagree with it or I have another priority and, and, uh, and all of that kind of good stuff. But for me, I would say deep listening, as I call it in pause, is really important to align. So it goes back to this concept of aligning. So knowing what your values are and feeling like you are making a difference in the world or just showing up and, and what we talk about in my emotional intelligence courses are yearnings, following your deeper hungers. And, and this is from ours, Judith and Bob Wright, where when we, when we follow those yearnings, those are our deeper hungers. Those are our innate human desires to feel connected, to engage, to learn to grow. I mean, they're different for everybody to love, um, to connect to a higher purpose or source. Those are all things that potentially an inner voice might be nudging me to cue into, might be words, it might be a feeling, emotions. But if I override that, which I can, I miss it. And so pausing to me, even that one belly breath or a walk around the block at lunchtime or looking up at the, at the sky out of the window, those are all opportunities of pausing, right? Like they're little daily mini pauses. And when I choose to do that, I can tune in and say like, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling, and it's a feeling, am I feeling joy? Am I feeling fear? Am I feeling, un, if, if I'm feeling frustrated? And so that's a cue of like, well, what am I not saying? Or maybe there's something I, I, I'm not doing that I want to do. And that's so important because that's what will move us into alignment and they're little incremental steps, right? They're like these little pauses during the day or maybe it's a ritual that you have. And the idea is that you can move and shift towards being more in alignment through listening and you'll, you won't have any big train wreck slash disasters that are coming your way. So for example, if I hadn't paused and I just went to a next role in six months, maybe I would have had like a really serious health issue because I was so stressed out. I don't know, I'm making that up, but like that that's the idea and listening is I think a paramount skill and it takes time, but the good news is we can all kind of develop it. Just takes the awareness factor to learn a little more. This can be to me this can be related to health as well because I know a lot of times mm -hmm. people will get diagnosed with something. And let's say you get diagnosed with cancer or some other illness, the immediate reaction is that, hey, I'm going to fight it. And then they go into treatment and they fight it without really giving themselves the time and space to feel like, see how they feel about it. And that's what I wanted to ask you. When you left Google, you took this sabbatical for uh, what, two months? Three, three months, three months, months yeah. three months. And were there any times where you were getting into that, I call it mind effing, where, where you, your mind is, yeah, my, your mind just messes you. I don't want to say the whole word. People can get it, but yeah, you, yeah. You, you, and I got into that in two years. I, it was a constant mind effing until I just said, you know, know what? No more. Did you get into that fear state and said, oh my God, I might, I might lose my job if I go back to Google. And did you have fearful thoughts those those nights when you were waking up at one, two, three o'clock in the morning? So that so so yes. In fact, one of my de facto states of being when I feel really stressed is mind effing. <laughs> so so I feel like I actually was in that well before the time I took off of work. That was my current state, and that was how I lived most of my time. And I would wake up at a two a.m. or three a.m. and just be fretting about stuff. What is the next email I have to answer? Did I get back on this project? Who's going to ask me about this next? Is that PowerPoint done? Like all of these lists of things that I was fabricating that were maybe true, but just way out stressing myself and unnecessarily worrying about things that, again, my mind was in this tailspin. So I, I, I did a lot of mind effing, Darren, in the, in the beginning. And then what happened was the pause period, I ended up not having to do that because I had this zone of, uh, of just not having that, that stress, I removed myself from my environment, meaning the work that I, that I was in. But what I will also say is, I think it's a, it's kind of a human condition where mind effing and, and I call it, well, there's lots of names I call it, but it's just these patterns that don't serve us in how we think. And the human brain is, this is another neuroscience fact is we're, we're wired to look at the negative things. That's how we've survived our millions of years. And our ancestors were the ones who bought and caught the the predators out there so we could be on this planet right now, right? So knowing knowing that, it really is a lot of conscious choice to 
focus on the positive or, or even notice it, accentuate the positive, and it takes a little space to create that. And in my case, I needed a lot of space because I was pretty burned out. And the good news is I, I, I've learned since then a lot, and a part of it has to do with following those yearnings on a daily basis, moment by moment, where I can feel and know that I, am, I matter, I'm okay, and my beliefs, I, I can consciously shift those too. Getting into we decide, we the audience decide that we want to do this pause. What are yep. some steps that we need to go about? Like if you, you were able to research it, and you found that Google had this program where they would allow you to do this sabbatical or take time off. But what about the average person? How do they do this and how do they fund something like this? Does it take a lot of yeah. money to be able to do it or can you do it on a minimal, minimal income? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So, uh, well, good news for all of us. It, uh, pausing and again, a pause is any intentional shift in behavior. It really doesn't require a lot of time, money, or resources. You can pause for free. You don't need to spend zero dollars if you don't have any. Uh, and then it can be any activity. And again, that's why it's really designed based on what works for you. Now, saying that, again, only 14% of companies have this type of uh, option to have a long extended pause. So the reality is that's just not an, a practical way to go. And most of us don't have that option. So building in different types of pauses, whether it's daily pauses, so daily pauses are things you could do daily that are really allowing you to notice how you feel. So it might be something like in like like in the shower, feeling the water on your skin and your and in, in your body and just noticing the sensation, hot, cold, like that's a pause. Whatever you're feeling the the six senses, like like touch, sight, hearing, and that could be a meditation. It could be a mindful walk. Uh, it could also be something out of your comfort zone, like we talked about. Having a having a taking a risk in a conversation, telling a truth. These are all things that if you follow your yearnings, kind of have those behind you, then you're going to move towards getting those satisfied. And, and and so there's those kinds of pauses. Digital device pauses are a whole other area, which I recommend, and we can all probably identify with those, right? Where you create some rules or boundaries around your digital devices. So maybe you decide after 8 p.m. you're not going to check social media or you sleep with your phone in the hallway and not, in, not next to your bed. You actually get a real alarm clock that I know a lot of us don't even have anymore. You can also create pauses like these mini micro pauses. And if I actually would love to try one right now, if you have enough, if you if you're if you're willing to give it a try, Darren, I'll, yeah. I'll do one that we have in the book called the micro pause, which these are from Dr. David King Keller, who wrote a PhD on pausing. So he's a total hero of mine. He's a friend of mine. But if you go ahead and just if you take a palm of your hand and hold it up about six inches away from your face, so it's kind of eye level, mm-hmm. and you can look at your hand, maybe notice the lines, the color, the texture, maybe you turn it around, just really gazing at it for about 30 seconds and then you can take a breath and just blow gently on the palm of your hand if you're driving or something you can visualize this and go ahead and put your hand down do you feel any different i feel more calm actually yeah yeah and so for anyone who actually did that this is what's called a micro pause in the pause world and what we're actually doing is we're drawing attention away from our uh, the part of the brain that is more on autopilot and we're bringing it into the prefrontal cortex and our and by blowing on our palm we're activating our calming parasympathetic nervous system which is really the the body's system to be calm and 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 kick in for more relaxation and and states of being in that sense so there you go. You just learned a powerful way to pause. It takes it's free and about thirty seconds. Yeah, and I don't know. You you didn't say this in a book, but there's something that came to me. Like I used to be so afraid to take a day off from work, like oh, just yeah. guilty about taking a day off from work. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should take a Friday off and just have a three day weekend, and that would be a pause for me. I didn't call it a pause. I would call it a mental health day. Yeah, <laughs> so- same thing. Yeah. Call it what you like. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's exactly exactly that. You mentioned neuro, some neuro terms, um, which deals mm-hmm. with the brain. In your book, you talk about mental flossing. Explain what that is. I think mental flossing and in, in there, 
tasering. What is that? Yeah. Why is that important? Yeah. So, so um, I, there's a lot of emotional intelligence tools in pause, everything from naming feelings to things like the taser technique. And so I came up with this acronym taser, T-A-S-E-R, to, to hone in on your beliefs that may not be serving you in the moment. So let's all do this as an exercise. So, um, the, the, so T stands for tune in, A stands for acknowledge, uh, S stands for shift, E stands for express, and R is repeat. So think of something today that happened, maybe it was in the last couple hours, where you just did not, like something happened where you had a belief that maybe wasn't necessarily true. And like, just I'll give you a moment to think of that. Maybe you were at home and, and there was some argument or you're in traffic and someone cut you off. Or just like late for a meeting, you don't have time as a belief. Like I like why like like I I'm I'm always wrong as a belief like that I, like he's always wrong but try to make it about yourself as okay. a personal belief so T is catching it tuning in oh I I just had a thought <laughs> that wasn't necessarily serving me oh I just there I go again I like like it, I am I'm in my case I I'm late, I was late for a meeting so like oh I'm I'm late that must not mean that must mean I'm I'm a, I don't matter and I I'm not doing well here. So tuning in is is that first step. And then A is acknowledging it and just noticing that. So A is, okay, yes, I, I have this belief, kind of accepting that and acknowledging it. Like, yes, I I, I had this belief that I I am I don't I don't matter and, and like I'm you know, no one cares if they start the meeting without me. All right. So then S is shift. So shift is kind of take the opposite approach. So instead of saying I don't matter, the opposite of that would be what? I like, I'm I do matter. I yeah. Just flip it on its head 180 so I do matter so shift is I matter and then E is expressed so I could I could say that out loud if it makes sense in the car if I'm by myself if I'm in a meeting with 300 people probably not the best thing to say I matter but you never know maybe you want to try it uh, you can write it down but you can say it in your mind and if we actually say things our brain also processes things differently just like we write too and then R is repeat. We need to do it again. Like continue to do it, and and that's how change happens. It's repeating things over and over again, as much as we probably don't want to do it. But that's how habits change. That's how how new new ideas form. And when we are able to catch ourselves in the act, that's the game we're playing. So we can actually consciously shift our behavior out of autopilot to being in a state that really is more serving and more powerful for us, so that we can move through our day. I find that a lot of my beliefs are really stupid. <laughs> and and yeah. you, you mentioned in the book that we kind of form these beliefs uh, around what I think it was seven years of age that we, yeah. we we form these beliefs and then they follow us into adulthood. Yeah, yeah. So so this is from my studies at the Wright Foundation. But by the time we're all seven and seven and a half years old, our, our whole programming is pretty much laid out for us. <laughs> how we operate in the world and that's just based on our family systems and how we are and like it's it's not a judgment it's just it's just how we are as people and what's really interesting now is we can be more conscious about that and as kids and and as people who were under 7 we created these ways of being in the world that that were real and now that we're adult going back to that adulthood is for transformation quote it's our job to change things so we can be better off and we don't have to but when we do chances are things will be very different for us. And and so that's the understanding and power of noticing your behaviors and, and beliefs, the taser technique, like a, you know, it's a really important way to just have one more tool that you can use to say, oh, there you go. And yeah, and even like saying stupid beliefs, it's, it's like, well, at one point they actually were really important because it got you through whatever you needed to do and and, and survive in the world. And, and that's all good. And now it's like, okay, I'm 45 years old and this may not be real anymore. And that can be a whole lot better off if I actually know that like I can expect things from others and I can, I can show up and know that I matter in a meeting and say what I want to say because it's important and I know it matters, you know, that kind of stuff. Some, some service and some don't. It takes time though. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. This isn't an overnight thing, but if you're really willing and interested to shift behaviors, that's, where the magic happens and that's out of your comfort zone. No one's really, there's no handbook on it. You got to kind of learn it as you go, but that's really where the magic is because that's where growth happens and worlds change when your beliefs change as we all know. There was something that's so profound in this book and you explained it in a, a very good manner. And for most people, they don't understand it, but 
I kind of understood it a long time ago and not to say that every I'm so intelligent and everybody else is stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> it just took me a while. Like I would see it all the time and it just took me a while to really put the pieces together and finally understand it. But you explained finding the balance between being and doing. Explain mm. that and I guess yeah. in the most simplest way possible for people because I know we see that all the time within different slogan be do have and mm. I don't think a lot of people understand it because I know I didn't it wasn't until one day that it just clicked for me but explain finding that balance between being and doing yeah well full disclosure I'm still working on it too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all big are. time big yeah. time but yeah so and I and I really didn't get any inkling of that until this pause that I took but but we're as humans in this always on world that we're living in, especially in the Western world, in the US and North America and any country that's really just got a lot of stuff going on and with technology, we're rewarded for doing. And and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But like our our corporate structure is designed that way. Uh, we want to succeed, so we do things. It, in our in our in our world of personal lives, we're doing things. You're going to the theme park or shopping. You know, like our that's just how we are, and then we and we operate, and that's how I was for everything. And 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 what I learned was that there's another way to be, which is literally to be. Be and as as I love the quote, we're not human doings, we're human beings. But we're so wired to continue to do, and again, in society, our our society is kind of rewarding everyone for that, and and we miss the being in it, and we're just rushing off to the next thing. Or in my world, I love lists, so like checking the next thing off my box. People make bucket lists; it's doing stuff, and being is really where I think the power of of the world is. So when you can actually tune in and know how you feel, it's a little scary and it can just be that feeling of, of unknown. And, and, and that's pausing too, is when you're in the unknown, you're not sure what'll be the next thing. If you go back to a job or what's going to happen after this, this time I'm doing a new thing, but being is so rewarding because that's where our yearnings are kind of tying it all together that's where our yearnings are, where we can connect to ourselves so we can really feel and, and have that meaning and purpose that we feel like aligned with. And when we're just doing stuff all the time, it's so easy to miss it. And so I think it's really important why pausing and this whole message I have is, is, is significant because we're only going to speed up from here, I believe, where there's going to be more to do and technology is going to keep going, but it's up to us to choose and have conscious choice to be. And that could take on a lot of forms. And again, it's about what works for you, but that's where the magic happens and, and you can really align with what matters. So you can be the most satisfied and have more meaning in your, in your whole life. I really believe that. You, we mentioned earlier, or you mentioned rather earlier, just breathing. And then you mentioned as well in the book about meditation. Do these things mm. or can these things help us in more of that being versus doing? Yeah. So, yes, I, there, and there's many other things as well that help with that. And, and, and like also full disclosure, before this pause I took, I had no understanding of any of that. <laughs> I wasn't a meditator. I didn't take any courses in self-development. Like, my, like I had an MBA. That was my personal growth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and so the idea is that you are able to tune in and be and to, and, and, and so that can take a lot of forms, but um, when you're when you're able to look at that and just assess it, uh, mindfulness is a great way. And attention training really is just meditation. You're training your brain to be focused on maybe your breath or a sensation in your body, hot or cold, and those kinds of things. They're, they're ways that you can increase your capacity for mental attention. The, the idea is that those help, but there's other tools as well. And I, I the idea I think of is is a little bit of a reset button. And the idea is when you're able to just tune in even for 10 breaths, close your eyes, tune everything else out, you're able to refresh. And I, and I have a saying that pausing is in service to the doing. It's not like it's an either or thing. Pausing is 
increasing and expanding your capacity. And that's the same idea with mindfulness and meditation where you can have a sense of clarity, even if it's, oh, this is what my body feels like. This is what my breath feels like. We all know how to breathe, but how often do we actually stop and notice that? And when we are tuned into those sensations, those those primary sensations of feeling and touching and seeing and hearing and noticing things like that, we get out of our thinking brain and we're able to kind of activate new parts of our minds, new brains rather, that are um, really helping us be, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my version of it. Yeah, yeah. You talk about in the book about post-pausing. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because when, as I was reading it, I thought about like, I took a two year pause (laughs) and and for me, it was kind of overwhelming to, to integrate myself back into the corporate world. Now I'm at a job, which I've been there about six months now. And it's still like, I'm trying to acclimate myself because I could make my own schedule in those two years and do all the things I wanted to do now, it seems like I'm on somebody else's schedule. But is it important in a post-pause to integrate yourself back in slowly if you can? It is, yeah. So this would be pertaining to an extended pause, right? So in your case, you took this long, awesome two-year pause, probably had some highs and lows in there. I had a three-month pause. So call it the re-entry plan, but that's the beauty of these daily pauses or integrating it because you're not necessarily coming back from a big long break. This is a way of life that you can sustain and create so that you're more sustained. But let's say you do have this long pause like you have. Uh, a couple of things that I recommend are to create, kind of know what your communication plan is. And all that means is be authentic and share what's going on for you. And that might mean being vulnerable. Like, yeah, I didn't really know what I was going to do. In my case, I say, like I explained, I uh, I felt like a failure, and that's not necessarily good to say, but it's the truth. And what would happen are people people really resonated with me, and they either said, "Wow, I mean, congratulations, that sounds great. Uh, I I'm excited for you to return and see what's next," or they might have just related and been like, "Wow, I wish I could do that. I feel the same way that I I'm not." supposed to be in this role right now. This isn't really serving me or whatever it is. So communicating is really important, but remembering to be authentic is really key. And you'll feel better too, by the way, because again, you're aligning with your own internal state of who you can become. And then and then the other thing is, is if you're looking for a job again, there's a whole resource that I have called the Job Command Center, which is like a Excel. It's, it's actually a Google Doc, which is a spreadsheet, but you can download it and it's free on my website. And, and you can create a plan to track everything that you would need to in an organized way. So that's a reentry too. And it's and it's actually being intentional. So maybe there's a, a daily expression that you say, or maybe even a mantra. And mine was, from challenge comes opportunity. I had that written in my spreadsheet and every day I said it. And I'm still saying it now because I'm actually looking at new jobs and things like that on my horizon, I'm just like, yep, <laughs> from challenge comes opportunity. Because to me, that means, and, and, I, and I truly believe there are opportunities out there that will, will work for me. And I don't know what that might be. So instead of focusing on the outcome, I'm just focusing on wh- like, what do I want? And that's, that's something that I think is really important as you reenter is like, what do you want? What's your intention? And being really intentional about it. So Pausing isn't like kicking your feet up on the couch for three months eating chips, although it could be, (laughs) nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. But if you're intentional about your time and at least looking at what's next for me, and maybe you don't do it right away because you just need to decompress like I did, you can really get into some powerful places and know that you can go for your own satisfaction. So it might be knowing your strengths or it might be communicating authentically or, or creating allies that can support you while you're back looking for a role. We all know that forced pauses aren't the easiest thing. And and um, we've all been there or know someone who's either been laid off or unexpectedly have had a turn of events that you don't have a job or just like a time period that you just used in between jobs, right? And and so that's why uh, reentry is really important. It's not just like jumping and throwing yourself back into the fire because you want to just set yourself up for success. So thinking about what your intention is, maybe journaling about it. I'm a huge fan of journaling. That's a great way to pause too. Will only set you up for success and get you aligned with where you want to go. This is something else I wanted to bring up as well. And it struck me because this is exactly what happened with me 
but I had to learn to not beat myself up about it. Like there were times during that period when I was in my pause where you say in the book, being distracted and losing focus is normal. And for me, I was so fixated. I remember that first year I was so fixated. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to have this. I'm going to, and then it, then it didn't come. I, I was turned down over and over again for things that I wanted. And I remember when I lost focus, I was like, I kind of lost focus. I kind of lost hope, but I realized that that might have been part of the process for me mm-hmm. and that it's supposed to happen. I think a lot of times what will happen is when we do go through something like that, we tend to beat ourselves up, which is not productive. And I know that I did that. And then for for yeah. a um, a while, I was just like, you know what? F it. I'm not <laughs> I'm not, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to allow myself to be distracted. I'm not going to allow myself to lose focus. And within that, I remember I just started having fun. And that took my mind <laughs> off of it. And you, you. you mentioned that yeah. in your book about, th- you know, having fun. And I remember when I first realized that, hey, I'm having fun and I'm yeah. not thinking about my circumstances right now. And I think some way along the way that propelled me. But I wanted to talk about that and why we shouldn't kind of beat ourselves up when we get distracted or we tend to lose focus because it's yeah. going to happen. Right. Oh, that's such a good point, Darren. So a couple things. You mentioned fun. So I have a whole chapter. It's called Create Your Pause Playground. And uh, this is from my studies where I've gotten my coaching certification. We study things like educational theory. So, you know, how do kids learn? Looking at children, we all know they learn through play, right? You're out on the playground and they're going to get knocked off the jungle gym and they get hurt. Uh, but they grow from that. And as a result, they might not climb as high or wear pants next time as opposed to shorts. And it's the same thing with adults. Uh, but we lose sight of that because we get we we grow up and we are business people and we do our thing. And the next thing you know, we just like get sidetracked. But when we're in, when we're adding the element of play into anything we do, there's a relaxedness. There's a relax. I just made that word up. There's a re, there's a there's a nature to our being that is more at ease, as you know, and you may not even have it all figured out. Maybe it's a new game you're learning, like thinking of play, like in that sense, literally. But the reality is we're, we're programmed to learn as we play. So if you actually have that mindset, and I talk about growth mindset, Carol Dweck's work in pause, uh, where you're curious and you do things differently, playing is the same idea. Like you're just having fun. You don't really have that outcome expected. You're in the here and now. You're present. That's where learning happens, and and you're present to what's going on in your body. You can feel things, and you're laughing. Like that is a good thing. So I do this too. If I'm feeling stressed out, I'm really worried about something. The idea is that if if I actually think about it and have fun with it, so so I might you know be afraid of something, and if I can just say, you know what, this is serving me. I'm actually going to grow from this. This is a conscious thing. I'm not normally thinking like this, right? I can shift my state and and actually like have some fun with it and and maybe it means I'm making a joke a little later or I'm 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 like negotiating something that I wouldn't have done later but it was it's in jest or you know I'm just making up these examples but play is really important and it's the, one of the best ways we've learned as people and and our kids will continue to learn this way and we have to kind of remember that but when we bring it in things can really change so that's really important play having that element in it and and that's why I think being curious can lead to that too. So it's like, you know, well, what if I did this differently? Or what if X happened? And then you actually like think about things and try it. Like that's that's an adventure. That's that's how we learn. So so play is really important. And also pausing isn't, you know, it, it's a it's in the unknown. And I think what what I keep thinking about is fear. So when we're in the unknown, we're in our fear. We're, we're not sure what the outcome is. That's not a fun place to be. And our brains hate it. Like we're like, ah, oh, no, I don't, I want to know. I want to control what's going on. I, and we're just wired this way as humans, right? So we're naturally going to feel uncomfortable if we don't have any outcomes designed for us. We don't know what's happening. So acknowledging that fear is really important. And again, this is in the here and now, like not being in the thinking, worrying, what if, what if that takes us out of the current here and now, like the present time and gets us in our head. So instead, I invite all of us to, if this is a, a, something that you're working on right now, to just kind of notice what, what am I feeling right now? And we talk about five primary feelings, the right foundation, fear, hurt, joy, sadness, or anger. 
fear, hurt, joy, sadness, or anger. These are primary feelings. There's many other feelings as we know, but even if I name one of those, I actually become more present because I'm dropping into my body and might take some time. Like that's another skill you can build. But what's important and remember is that um, when I'm, when I'm feeling in the body, I can actually just acknowledge my fear and just say, okay, I'm in, I'm, I'm feeling some anxiety right now. Maybe I should go play <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And I'm sitting here nodding my head as you're speaking because I I think I've experienced all those when I was going well, through yeah yeah what yeah, I was going cool. through and I wouldn't recommend anybody take a two year pause if you're out there listening so mm-hmm. but this is the last it's not even a question I just kind of wanted you to maybe expand on this and forgive me because I was watching basketball last night I don't know if this is your quote or a quote that you had on one of your chapters but. It was just so profound to me. I wanted you to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. And the quote says, I needed to fail in order to grow and reach my fullest potential. And for me, that Mm. is exactly what I experienced. I was failing, but had I not failed, had I just kept going on and taking these jobs that were kind of what I call dead end jobs, where they were the salary was low, I really wasn't using my strengths. I don't think I would have ever gotten to my full potential. So that's why that quote kind of struck me as something that was Mm -hmm. so profound and something that I wanted you to expand on for other people. Yeah, it sounds like something I would say, but I'm not 100% sure because I don't have the book in front of me. But (laughs) but I think I chalked it up to that pretty much. And and yeah, so so again, if we play it safe, how are we ever going to fail, right? We're in our comfort zone. Things are hunky-dory. We're doing what we need to do. And we're humming along. Well, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But if I'm failing, if if I if I'm a miserable failure, like I was in my job, I may not be sitting here with you today. I may not have realized there was other opportunities that would make me a lot happier. Or looked at those strengths, for example. So I am a big believer that failure is feedback. It's just another type of feedback. It doesn't have to be this complete dramatic disaster, although that's how we like to make it out sometimes, if you can actually just realize, okay, this didn't work out so great, like put a little reality check on it. What am I feeling? I'm feeling hurt. I actually actually don't know that that was the best move for me. Well, okay, what can I, what can I do differently tomorrow or next week? Or what can I do to, to make, to, to shift out of that, to pause and shift? And so it's, it's a big deal. Failure is actually something that, uh, as we all know, in like the hero's journey story, which I tell in the book, failure is, is really what adds the, who, who, what makes us. And it's all of us, again, this is like getting existential, but we all have our choices in life day to day, hundreds of choices we make every moment, moment by moment. And when, when I'm choosing to take risks or potentially fail, uh, I'm knowing I'm stretching my limits and isn't that what we're all designed to do? And, 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 and we're more rewarded when that happens. We might get hurt. We might be on that playground and get knocked off the jungle gym and get hurt. But now I know more. Now I have another awareness. I didn't, I didn't even know I had. And, and so that to me is where the magic happens and life is just more exciting that way, right? Like we're all designed to feel and if I'm feeling really a lot of joy or God forbid, but it happens, I feel really hurt and that happens too. And I don't deny those things. I'm, I'm only moving forward with my capacity and I'm expanding in that way. And, and, and so that's, I think, the power of failure and it's okay to fail. And um, I'll leave you with this one thought. I think it's great. Uh, so what I'm trained in is when I make a mistake, like I actually celebrate it. So, um, you know, if I, if I find I made a mistake, I might've like made a error on a email or put the wrong ingredients in for dinner or made a big mistake. I can say like, yay, I made a mistake and give myself a little clap or something. And it's, it's like retraining my brain to think about failures are okay. Cause a mistake is a failure, right? In some ways. So that's just a whole nother reframe on how you can think about failure. Rachel. Yay, I failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we do enough of that. Most people are, are afraid to, to make mistakes. It's scary. It's yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's how we learn. We learn more and we expand more through that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have appreciated your book 
had I had not gone through this. And when I picked it up and I started reading, I had so much more appreciation for it from this because I went through it. Mm-hmm. So I know the value of it. And if I would tell people out there, if you haven't gone through it, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but <laughs> not a forced yeah. pause. But if it's something that you're thinking about, maybe reassessing your career, reassessing your relationship, your book is is paramount for them to read because it really gives you some things to think about. But I have so much appreciation for it because I went through it and I know it helped me to have that that whole pause. So but I appreciate that. Thank you. The book is located on Amazon. It's a blue book. It jumped out at me. That's why I said, oh, my God, I got to read this when I went on Kindle one day. And uh, that's how we connected for the interview. But you mentioned your website. What is your website Mm -hmm. address for those people who are out there listening? Yeah. So my website is my name, rachelomera.com. And you can probably just Google Rachel Pause Google or something and, and it'll come out. And you can actually get two chapters for free opting in at my website. So you'll get the first two chapters, which is really my story at Google. So you'll hear all the gory details and, and good and bad and the ugly. And and then the signs, the five signs you need to pause is the second chapter. So I invite anyone who's interested to learn more to go out that to go and have at it at that and, and uh, learn more. Yeah. yeah. Rachel, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Darren. It was a pleasure. 